verse Prover in Proverbs 12, uh, verse number four, because these two go together. And uh, they, they, and the question I have for you, these are, have all been posing questions through this series. We have one more next week, the praise of the virtuous woman or the praise of the virtuous wife. And we'll talk about that next week to finish that out, Lord willing. And, uh, but this week I want to ask you, uh, wife, are you a crown to your husband or rotten? Are you a rotten wife? It's a good question to ask. You know, we all, the, the, the scriptures always cause us to think about our, uh, our, our, uh, our walk, our life, our testimony, what we do. And they should always. I mean, it should always. First, we, we apply those things internally to ourselves and then, and then to hope to teach others with the blessings that, that we've learned and what God has brought us through. But this is, uh, so this concept here, uh, we see about her husband here in Proverbs 31, 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. He is known in the gates. Proverbs 12, 4. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. You think about that for a second. We're going to kind of mine that out a little bit here today, what that means exactly. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. But she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. Basically, she literally kills him. You know, the, the, uh, a woman that is not following the Lord or a, or a, a bad woman or, or the wrong wife in that sense, uh, not marrying biblically and things like that, it can kill you. Oh, it'll, it, it, many a women have, have, have killed a man. The other way around, too, many men have killed a woman and drove them nuts, right? But many a woman has killed a man, has destroyed him, has ruined him. It, and that's, that's the ability that a wife has. You can, either, you can either be a crown to your husband or you can destroy a rottenness to his bones. Do you see how there's no in-between? God didn't put it in-between. He didn't say, or oh, there's a third option. Nope. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. Literally rots his bones, which we'll talk about what that means. Father, Lord, please bless us now as we look at the scriptures here and understand these great truths. Help us to live by them. And Lord, help us to instruct our daughters. Help us to instruct our sons and help us to instruct ourselves. Lord, that we would follow you and live for you and serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the goal of every wife should be to honor the Lord through her service to her husband. And the goal of every husband should be to honor God through being a good steward of all that God Almighty has made him ruler over. All that he has been given, including his wife and children, that he's to, that he's to govern them with kindness and love, that he is to govern them with uh, truth and, and righteousness. One person said it this way, A woman possessed of a quality which time will not destroy or impair. That's virtue. Virtue is not a mere negative good. It is not simply an absence of evil. A virtuous person is one who has overcome evil, one who is prevented from being a worker of evil by being a worker of good. Virtue is a thing of growth. Human nature has to struggle to acquire moral excellence, to attain that strength of goodness which we call virtue. It has its seat in the regenerated heart, right? It's not, so virtue comes from a regenerated heart. It comes from being born again by the Spirit of God. It's something that you're to add to your faith, right? So one of the number one things that God says to a child of God, all true virtue comes from the regenerated heart. It comes from being born again. 
People might try to do good things when they're lost, but they're tainted by our sin. But when you get saved by the grace of God, true moral virtue, which we talked about, remember, it comes from Christ alone. That's where it comes from. Remember, when, when, when the woman uh, touched Jesus, he perceived that virtue had gone out of him. When he, when he went about in the crowd, what did it say he did? Virtue went out of him and healed them. That's purity, right? What was the fall of man? Sin. Sin was the fall of man, right? So virtue is, is, is moral, is that moral purity and energy and power from God. That, that only God can give. So true virtue can only come from, the, from, from being saved and born again because it's the, the, the root of it is Christ. The true root of it is, is Jesus Christ. It's God Almighty, right? So we have to understand that. The river that is always flowing with pure living water is not fed from a cistern, but from a living spring, which is the communication with the parent of waters. So virtue is not a native of this fallen world. It is of celestial birth. It is derived from the source of all goodness and consequently partakes of the indestructibility of all eternal things. There is no annihilation of virtue. Stabbing cannot kill it. Burning cannot destroy it. It will break the bonds of calamity and rise from the dead. Virtue adorns either sex, but it is especially attractive in a woman. It is her crown, and because she is so crowned, she crowns her husband. Man needs such a woman to compete, to complete or, or crown his life. Even the first man in his sinless condition, with all the peculiar joys springing from his sinless nature, felt his existence incomplete until God gave him the woman as the filling up, the crown, and the finish of his life. But this woman was crowned herself with innocence and purity, or she could not have crowned her husband. If man in his sinless condition needed a wife to complete his life, how much more does he need now a virtuous woman to be a helpmeet for him? He needs her. You're married and you have to understand that you need one another. You just have to understand that. You have to come to that simple concept of marriage that you need one another. That you complement one another. You don't compete with one another. Do you understand that? You complement one another. Away with this hellish notion that's been taught in society that, that, that the male and the female are to compete with one another. No, they, they complement one another. They are one. They become one flesh. They need one another. That's how God made you. Do you get that? Like, I'm not competing with my wife. I don't compete with her. In fact, I couldn't anyway. That doesn't make me less than a man to admit that. I'm not a woman. I, I couldn't do what she does. God made her for me. Oh, I believe that. I'll believe that till the day I die. And then when I'm in heaven, I'll thank God for what he did for me when I was here. Because you, you know something? It, you, your wife is made for you. Do you believe that? Man, when things don't go, when things are rough and you have challenges in your life, sometimes you may let that slip and lose and forget that, that your wife is made for you and you for your wife. They, God did that. God did that for you. He saw that it was not good for man to be alone. He said that in man's perfect state before he had fallen. It's not good for man to be alone. I don't understand all that. I don't have to. I just have to believe God. 
Do you know there are things that you don't have to understand? You just have to believe God by faith? Because that's what he told you to do. Why do you do that? Because that's what I was told to do. <laughs> it's that simple. And God's in charge. You and I aren't. So when God says something, we just listen. Okay, Lord, that's what you said. I don't understand it. I don't have to understand it. I just have to believe it. When you, when you lose this silly notion that male and female are in some kind of competition with each other and they're identical, they're not identical, they never will be identical. No matter how much butchering somebody does to somebody, no matter how much they try to change them, they're not identical. They're equal? Yes. Identical? No. There's a difference. Equal worth? Absolutely. Identical? No. Why would they be? What a horrible world. Why would I want to be identical with my wife and why would I want her to be identical with me? I don't like myself that much. Amen. I like her a lot more. Amen. She's a lot more pleasant to look at than me looking at myself. Amen. I'm just being real with you. Just, right? That's right. That's how it works. That's, that's why you married her. Because she didn't look like you, right? Because you're normal, right? You got natural affection. That's how it works. Thank God. It's just, it's so, it's sad to watch. I'm not even into my sermon, but it's so sad to watch because I'm, I, I watch it. I look at this world and I see these people and their button heads in their marriage and their button heads with society to each other, male and female are, and they've set up a failure. They've set up a system of absolute failure. Amen. It is failure. Absolute failure. It can't work. That's why God set the woman where he did. And it doesn't demean my wife to say that she's to to uh, that to say that she's different than me. Right? She's that's not demeaning. You know what's demeaning is for me to try to make her uh, identical with me. That's demeaning. Why? Cuz it says the way God made her wasn't good enough. So I'll make her like me. That's demeaning. But to place her where God placed her and to, and, and to respect to the qualities that God has given her? My goodness, lady, please don't fall for what the world tries to tell you. You'll be a very sorrowful person. You'll, you'll hate your life. You know when you hate your life is when you think you need to be a man. You'll hate your life. Because you may not be a transgender and you might not chop all your body parts off, but if in spirit you act like one, you're going to be just as miserable as they are. Because God didn't make us that way. God made us to be different. Amen. He, didn't, he made us equal, but not identical. There's the value, the worth is equal. I mean, there's no difference. Amen. But identical? No. And get that through your head. Don't look at a man, well, I wish I could do that. Really? I don't think you should. I, don't, I think you should want what God wants for you. Because I, I preach the way I do, because I want what God wants for you. That's why I pre That's why I bang that drum all the time and people don't like it. That's why I do that. They get upset about it. Why? Because our society has gone so far the other direction. Where it actually demeans a woman and says, "Well, you got to be like a man in order to be good enough." Yeah, that's sick. 
What you're saying is the way God made them and the way they are and the qualities, the womanly qualities that God gave them, it's not good enough. They need to be like you. Wow, what a trick of Satan. Yeah. That's true witchcraft right there. Yeah. It happened in the garden and it's happening now. Right. It's the same old lie. Anyway, I'll move on, but just remember that. That that's not the case. That, that's, that should never be. It, it, you compliment one another. That's the way life is. Like you, that you compliment each other. That's there's nothing that's more beautiful than than to see a marriage that works that way. There's there's and and by the way, all the all, all of the the hounds of hell cannot stop that marriage when they operate according to God's will. When they do things God's way, God will protect them and keep them, and God will bless their marriage. Not, nothing can stop that on this earth. Why? Because God brought it together. Right? That's why. Remember that. He needs her. She, she will help him to preserve his integrity more effectually than any other person because she is so constantly about his path. She's always with him. You know, the constant reminder for your integrity and for what you do, besides the Holy Spirit of God inside of you, outside of you is your wife. It's that, she's that constant reminder of like, of, wow, I have a duty and responsibility and integrity to uphold. I don't want to destroy my, my wife, my children, my family, my church. My, that, that's, God uses your wife for that. She will give him that moral sympathy, which is so helpful to men struggling to keep a good conscience in an evil world, which is like oil to the wheels of life and makes what would otherwise be very difficult, easy and pleasant. Amen. He needs an intellectual companion. He must have a rational, intelligent spirit in his home if his life is to be what God intended it to be, one with whom he can converse and to whom he can impart his thoughts on things human and divine. Amen. He cannot be crowned in the full sense of the word unless he has such a wife, and the word virtue may embrace that intellectual vigor as well as moral excellence. When a man has such a wife, as we have described, his life is completed or it's crowned. Amen. That's the way God intended it to be. Number one, the question, are you a crown to your husband? The question that, should even, that we should even ask, and that you should ask yourself in that sense, are you? Do you desire to be a crown to your husband? Do you truly want to be a crown to your husband? Have you thought about your life's work like that? Have you thought about your life's work as being the crown to your husband? Because the scriptures, that's what the scriptures say. So I don't know, I kind of want to go my own way and do my own thing. Well, you shouldn't get married then. You should stay single. Why? Because you'll destroy a marriage like that. If you're a woman and you don't, and you don't want to be a crown to your husband, you don't want to learn what that means, you don't want to be that, then you shouldn't get married because you won't, marriage won't go well. Amen. Now, it is true, you grow into the maturity of that, and you, don't, and you grow into the understanding of that. But that should be your goal. If, you're not, if that's not your goal, to make your husband look good, amen. That's, that's just it. That, that's, that's what you're to do. It has nothing to do with making you look good in that sense, because you'll get the praise later, which we'll talk about next week. But it's to be a crown to your husband. Here we have said one, a king and a crown. A holy woman, the crown. A happy man, the king. 
Inasmuch as a woman of grace is here called her husband's crown, we learn that a good wife is the husband's best outward blessing, the worthiest mercy that a man may have in this world. Amen. Boy, I sure hope you believe that. I sure, if you don't, you need to get, you need to fix your believer then. Because you, you need to think like God does, because that's what God says, that your wife is a crown to you if she's doing what God wants her to do. And, it, and she is the worthiest mercy, uh, worthiest mercy that a man may have in this world. But it all comes down to the heart, because the heart is always the matter. All true love springs from the seed of all affections and emotions, and is action that is governed by choice, choosing the love from the heart. Love is obedience. Romans 6, 17, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. The wife being the husband's crown must be much respected by her husband. Crowns are no contemptible things. What does that mean? That means that a husband ought to respect his wife. You ought to show her love and respect. You ought not disrespect your wife. That's not impressive. It makes you look like a thug. Right. And a fool. Right. It doesn't make you look tough. Amen. It makes you look like a fool. Amen. It does. It just makes you look like a fool. Because what God has given you, what God has blessed you with, you've treated poorly and contemptible. You ought to be ashamed of that. That's something to be proud of. That's something to walk around with a chip on your shoulder and think that that's good. No, that's shameful. It's shameful that God would bless you with something and that you would, be, you would use it in a contemptible manner. That's shameful. Amen. That doesn't show any leadership or headship. It, it shows a brutish thug. Amen. I've met men like that that are like that. And they think that's impressive. It's not impressive. Nobody's impressed. Right? To speak to your wife like that or talk to her like that, that's not impressive. It's shameful. The wife being the husband's crown must be much respected by her husband. The apostle Peter is exact in the commanding of this in 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's turn there. 1 Peter chapter 3. You know, there's, just because uh, my wife is not the head doesn't mean that I don't respect her. Doesn't mean that I don't listen to her. I don't show her love and compassion and respect. But being a leader isn't like running roughshod over people and like just bullying them. That's not leading. Likewise, ye husbands, in verse 7, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, Likewise, ye husbands, as, there to, as Sarah is to obey Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well. Right? In verse 7, it says, Likewise, ye husbands. So in like manner, the same way. Ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel. Right? That honor is, is a number of things. It's maintenance, it's care, it's love, it's respect, right? All of those things. It's all included in that, right? Giving honor to the wife as under the weaker vessel, recognizing that and understanding what she is as the weaker vessel. 
By the way, weaker doesn't mean weaker in morals. It doesn't mean weaker in spiritual right. in spirituality. It's talking about uh, the weakness of the flesh and the infirmities and the and the tenderness of that 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 she may have in that sense. But there are a lot of very spiritually strong women that love the Lord. That's right. And that that are that are probably better Christians than their husbands in a lot of ways. So the weakness doesn't mean weakness spiritually. It's not talking about that. Now, she does have a weakness that, you, that you're to guard against, and that's being deceived. Right? So you're to guard her and protect her as the weaker vessel and honor her as the weaker vessel and make sure that you take care of her in that sense. But, but that doesn't have anything to do with it. Doesn't mean, it doesn't mean inferior in that sense. That's not what it's talking about. That's not an inferiority or anything like that. It's... Uh, you have to you have to di- rightly divide the scriptures. Amen. Understand what the word right. says. Right. Uh, Christianity uh, it, it elevated marriage and, and the woman uh, in the sense of honoring her and not treating her like she's some kind of uh, a slave. Right. That's right, preacher. But one flesh. Now God always had that intention. God God always had that right. that teaching. But Christianity and the Apostle Paul out to the Gentiles, out to the known world, Paul nailed it down. That's why this world, that's why marriage in America, in the beginning of America and the other nations and England and the civilized societies that were not heathen, those civilized societies that Christianity had power, uh, biblical Christianity did, their, their marriages were way different. They're, they're, they're way different than the heathen and the pagans that were out there. They're way different. Still are today in the sense if you follow this work, your marriage is way different. But Americanism has crept into marriages today and this pop culture. Heathenism really is what it is. And has changed it. And now the woman is exalted over the man. But God never did that. Right? God never did that either. It's just, it's sad. It's not the way it's supposed to be. That's why we have to follow the book. Amen? Honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Huh. I talked about, I preached a series a long time ago, years ago, called Prayer Hindrances. And one of those, I, man, I don't, Lee, you, you definitely were here. You've been here the whole time. I did a whole series on prayer hindrances, and I talked about that. And, I mean, we preached on prayer for a long time. Yes. Yeah, it was just for you, yeah. It pretty much was, you, you, you and mom and dad, yeah, that was, that was pretty much at that time. It was a long time ago. It was many years ago. But, but prayer hindrances, and I, I, I talked about that, and this is one of those major prayer hindrances. If the husband and wife's relationship is not right, your prayers can be hindered. They are hindered. They can't, it's not that they can be. They are hindered. If your relationship is wrong, and then sometimes you wonder, why are, you know, things happening this way? Well, why are my prayers being answered, or why don't I have from the Lord what I, well, maybe it's because you're, your relationship's not right. You're not, maybe you're not doing this, right? Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. You're heirs together of the grace of life. That's what God calls you. As a Christian married couple, you are heirs together of the grace of life. Amen. That's a powerful thing, isn't it? I think it's absolutely powerful. See, see how the difference that God made in marriage, uh, things that are... Abuse, since I'm not, I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about things like that. Those things need to be dealt with properly. Amen. They need to be. But I'm, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about general faults and things that go on. Amen. He that is blessed with a good wife is as happy as if he were upon a throne, for she is no less than a crown to him. I'm telling you. I, I know. I believe that. <laughs> I, I know you do, too. Right? I've heard some of you say that. 
I've heard Brother Paul say it to me. Going out to his house and doing something like that. And he said, oh, my, they, my wife and my children, they make me look good. That's what he said. They make me look good. Amen. That's a, that's a very kind thing to say because that's the truth. It's the truth. They do. That's a blessing, right? That's a blessing that you should be able to say. They, they, they make me look good. That's a crown. That's being a crown. That's what God wants. That's, that's, the perp that's what you're supposed to do for your husband. You're supposed to do that so your husband can say that. And many of you, that is said. Amen. And they do make you look good, by the way. Because <laughs> I know the women of this church, they do make you look good. <laughs> they make us all look better than what we are. Amen. And that's the way that they're supposed to be. That's the way that they're supposed to be. And that's a blessing, by the way. And that's why when you see lost people out there in the world, and they don't see, they can't figure that out, can they, Dave? They just look at you like they're like, it's like, no, we don't, we don't do that at our house. We don't, we don't have them knock down, drag out. Like, no, we don't live our, like, like I don't want to die. I don't want to go home and die or anything. I don't want to, I'm not, like, I don't hate my life. I don't, I don't hate what, what I, what, what my life is. I don't, I don't, no, I, in fact, that's why you have to drag me out of the house. I don't want to leave. <laughs> I don't want I got to go. Ah, Man, I don't, don't want to go. Right? Andrew's dragging me to Europe. Come on! <laughs> Go to Europe. <laughs> Amen. That's the way it should be, though, right? That you should enjoy. That's the, way, that's the way it's supposed to be. Your life is supposed to be like that. Amen? It's like church. I don't want to leave. <laughs> I enjoy being around you all. I don't, you might want to leave me sometimes after I'm done preaching, but I... But I, 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 I don't, you're like, man, get this guy out of here. I got to get out of here. Whew. I can only handle so much of you, man. I got to get out of here. But I, I don't want to leave, right? That's the heaven that God has given us on this earth, that piece of heaven, right? Our home, our church, those are the pieces of heaven that we have. That ought to be the way it is. That's ought to be how your marriage is. Amen? That's how God makes it. If you follow him. A virtuous woman that is, a, that is pious and prudent ingenious and industrious, that is active for the good of her family and looks well to the ways of her household, that makes conscience of her duty in her every relation. A woman of spirit. She's not one that's like, that, that, that is like brought down through every little difficulty. She becomes completely depressed and falls apart like, and can't continue on. Now, even though the wife is the weaker vessel, she's not a wallflower. You're not training your daughters to be wallflowers, that they can't have conversations, that they can't be rebuked, that they can't deal with something, or a woman will use manipulation and turn on the waterworks so she doesn't have to face the wrong that she's done. Do not train your daughters like that. Amen. It's, it's just as bad as being mean to them right. because you're training them not to accept rebuke or correction because if they just turn on the tears, then they don't have to. Or they put a poopy look on their face and they don't have to. That's wrong for all of us to do. That's right. Not just women, but us too. It's wrong. Don't do that. You've got to deal with things. You can deal with them kindly. You can deal with them straight. You don't have to yell and holler and do all that. But you deal with them. You deal, you deal with them. You teach them what's right and wrong. That, you don't let them use tears to get out of trouble. That's, that's not appropriate behavior, right? It's not appropriate to do. But a woman of spirit also that's not dejected. 
when something happens, like like when life happens or struggles happen, that you're completely dejected and you can't do anything, or you can't function, and you just sit in a room and cry all day. Now, I understand there's times of depression and different things that come up. I, I get that. I've, I've been through things like that. I understand. I'm sympathetic to that. But what I'm saying is that shouldn't be a pattern of life. It shouldn't be a continual pattern to where that's like that, right? Because then what is that? You need to be a woman of spirit that, 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 and vigor, which is not going to give up and quit when things go wrong, but you're going to pray and you're going to seek God's face and you're going to continue with the joy of the Lord because it's your strength, Right? By the way, that's just not for men. I'm not going to let you make your make an all men's Bible out of this Bible, right? Oh, it's for it's just an oh, it's just an all men's Bible. No, it isn't. You're, they're, they're, these same things apply to you too. The joy of the Lord is your strength too, in all your work, in all your labor, and all you do. Amen. And your husband faces certain things when he's out in the world, and you face certain things when you're in the house. In the home or, or guiding the home, not just in the home, but guiding it, you know, guiding your family. A woman of spirit that can bear crosses without disturbance. I thought that was an interesting comment to bear because there's a lot of women, women that do fall apart when when crosses come. But God has given you crosses to bear. He has given all of us, right? The disciples cross and each one is different. We don't have his cross. He took his cross. Amen. We couldn't take his. We couldn't hold up to his. He had to die for our sins. We couldn't hold up. But he gave us a cross to bear, a disciple's cross, right? If any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's the disciple's cross. And you have that as a, as a lady. You have that as a wife. You have that as a mother. You have that same cross to bear. Amen. But remember, no cross, no crown. Amen. That's all of us, right? No cross, no crown. We bear the cross, don't we? All of us do. Praise God. Amen. We bear the cross. Such a one owns her husband for her head, and therefore she is a crown to him, not only a credit and an honor to him, as a crown is an ornament, but supports and keeps up his authority in his family. When your, when your wife is your crown, when your children look at your wife, they see the authority of the husband. And they shouldn't see anything any different. And if they do, you got some work to do. Amen. Because if, they, if they're willing to disrespect, they're not, you have to teach your children that if you disrespect your mother, you're disrespecting me. Because we are one. Amen. And you teach them that. No, no, no. You don't. You ain't getting between us. We were around before you. <laughs> You're our offspring, okay? That's how it works. We love you, and if we're wrong, we'll get right. But you know something what you won't do is you won't get around. You won't, you won't make an end road around mom and dad. Or mom and dad or through dad or anything like that. That's not going to happen. You disrespect your mother, you're disrespecting the authority of your father. That's just plain and simple. That's how it works. And by the way, I will tell you this, children. If you want to, uh, if you want to upset your father, disrespecting his wife is the first way that you can do that. that, will, that the, there's not too many things that will get him as upset as disrespecting his wife. 
I'm telling you, I, I told my son that years ago, you know, and I never had that problem with him, but I just warned him of it. It's like I warned all of them to listen. You just remember that's your mother, but that's my wife. And if you disrespect your mother, you're going to answer to me for it. Amen. Because you won't disrespect my wife. Amen. That's, that's just, that's, you, that, that doesn't, and by, at the same token, I, I've had conversations with my wife too about the, the appropriate tone to have with a young man. Right? That doesn't mean she doesn't tell him what to do or instruct him and do that as a mother. Of course, and he's to respect his mother, but she's to keep a meek and quiet spirit as she talks to him. Still firm, still direct, and he's to obey. You get past that when you're down here, here, and then you don't worry. You don't have to worry about it as much as when they get up here, right? Children are sinners; they're going to fail. We all are, but that order is there, and God blesses that order. Amen. See, a crown is an ensign of power. That's what it is. She is submissive and faithful to him, and by her example, teaches her children to be so also. He that is plagued with a bad wife is as miserable as he, as if he were on a dunghill. You know what a dunghill is, right? Field of manure, dookie, poopy. Sitting on a mountain of turds. That's how, that's, 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 that's how, that's how, this is the only church you ever heard turds from the pulpit, I know. But that's, that's, that's where you're at right there. It's, Right? That's right. That's right. You're the king of the dookie right there. That makes that's different than king of the mountain. When I was a kid, you threw snow and you're king of the mountain. If you're on a dookie hill, that ain't good. All right, because you're getting turds all over you. For she is no better though, right? Than rottenness to his bones. It's like he's living in a manure field, right? That's how his life is. He's he's living there. His life is horrible. He goes home and his life is horrible, miserable. It's like an incurable disease. Besides it, she makes him ashamed. Like the last thing, like she makes him ashamed by her life. She, is, she that is silly and slothful, wasteful and wanton, passionate and ill-tongued. That means that she's a bold and brassy, loudmouthed, stubborn woman that runs her mouth and you have to know what she's thinking. Guess what? You don't need to know, you, everybody don't need to know what you're thinking sometimes, all right? That goes for all of us, by the way. But, uh, but, but for women, especially like that, they don't need, you, the bolder you are when it comes to things like that, the worse you look. You just look bad. But it makes your husband look bad. Right? Because it's brassiness and it's brazen and it's loud and it's the opposite. He go, this person goes on to say, it ruins both the credit and the comfort of her husband. Oh, yeah. He can't be comfortable. Why? He's always afraid she's going to say something to embarrass him. You know, like your, your 12-year-old does or 13. It's like, oh, man, don't say that. Right? Or, your, you know, your child says something that they shouldn't say. Like, I don't, ah, they just blot it out. You're like. Did she? To, to George? Oh, Brother Bush? <laughs> Take your nap, George. <laughs> Brother Skull and Bones Bush? Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> if he go abroad, his head is hung down. It's just, 
has no confidence. You see a man that's beat up by his wife like that, that she doesn't, he has no confidence. His head is like down. For his wife's fault turned to his reproach. If he retires into himself, his heart is sunk. So he goes up into his house and his heart is sunk and he's a defeated man. I've, I, I've, I've seen that. He is continually uneasy. It is an affliction that preys upon much upon his spirits. Just drains him. I've seen that where women just drain a man till they kill him. I've seen it the other way too. I've seen men do it to women too and drain them till they're dead. Oh yeah. By the way, I know men that told me they were not sure if they went to work if their wife would be there when they got home. They were like, I don't. I mean, I pastored men like that told me that. They were so afraid because of the way things were going in their marriage and the way things were, they weren't even sure if their wife would be there when they got home. Let me tell you something. As a wife, you ought not rattle a husband by that. You ought, you ought, it's, it's wicked, by the way, for both of you to treat each other like that, but it's wicked to rattle a man like that and make a man afraid of that. To make a man afraid that, man, I don't even know if my wife's going to be here when I get home. That's shame on you, by the way, for doing that. Shame on you. That's a horrible thing. You know, you know when, when a woman does something like that and she takes, she takes every bit of his manhood away from him, because we live in a society that if you say boo to a woman, they'll call the cops on you, throw you in cuffs, put you on a 72-hour psych ward and drug you. You think I'm exaggerating. I'm just talking about like people like Tuesday. That's like, that's what they do. That's whoever gets to the phone first wins. What? I'm not kidding. You think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Whoever gets to the phone first wins. If that woman gets on a phone and lies about you, you're going to jail. That's just the way it works. It's just, it is. It's the way it works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they'd love to blow your brains out. I know. I don't have my flag, sorry. It's just, it's just, it's the truth. It's the way it is. So in other words, basically, if your husband, like, what's he going to do? He can't physically restrain you. I mean, if he does that, he goes to prison. He goes to jail, right? He gets a rap on his name. He gets a domestic. So what's he going to do? What's that? <laughs> right, exactly. That's, do you see what I mean? It's wrong behavior. It's not right. It's not the way God wants it to be. So no wife should do that to her husband, and no, no husband should shake up the, the, the security of his wife. Like that, that option of giving up, quitting, and walking away, and, and that for two Christian people, no. No, you both have the Holy Ghost in you. I don't care what you have to do. You get in a room, you lock yourself up, and you pray until you get it settled. You believe that works? Yeah, I believe it works. I preach it, don't I? Of course I believe it. You mean you believe that any two people that are born again believers that have the King James Bible, that have the truth of God, they can make their marriage work? Well, of course I believe that. Why wouldn't I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost to change people's lives? He changed mine. I've watched him change others. I don't believe there's anything too hard for God. I believe two people have to submit themselves to God. That's what has to happen. When you submit yourself to God, guess what? You're going to love everybody else. That's how it works. You make things happen because God's spirit will bless you.
I, I don't believe in all these excuses. I, I get sick. I don't believe in marriage counselors. I don't believe in any of these nut jobs out there. They're all a bunch of psycho psychos anyway. I don't believe in any of the garbage they say. Some pastor tried to brag to me one day, well, I'm, <laughs> I've got a degree in counseling. <laughs> Great, Sherlock. Thanks. Great. I have a Bible. Amen. Oh, I don't care about your stupid degree and your psycho babble. Tell me, thus saith the Lord. What's God's word say? That's, right. That's all I want to hear. And marriage is very simple. You, you, you obey God. And you do right. That doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy, and it doesn't mean that everything's always going to go the way you want it to. But that's the problem now, isn't it? You think it's supposed to go the way you want it to, not the way God wants it to. And when you, don't, when you and I don't submit ourselves and endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, then guess what? We're always looking for an exit door. Well, God didn't make me to look for an exit door in anything that I do. When it comes to spiritual things in my home, in my family, in my church. Any of that other stuff is expendable, right? I mean, the work and the job and where I work and everything else like that. If they don't, if I can't work there, I'll go somewhere else, right? But this church, my church, and I don't mean mine as I own it. I mean the Lord's, but the church I'm a member of, right? That, that, that this church and what God has done in my marriage, in my home, I, that's, that, there's no exit door. You know where the exit door is? The grave. That's the exit door, the grave. I, I don't, there is no other exit door for me. It's the grave. Amen. That's just the way it is. I don't believe in giving up. I don't believe in quitting, and I don't believe in giving up when things are hard. In fact, I believe on, in pressing on the gas when things are hard, and you keep moving. Amen. I don't like that spirit of giving up, people giving up and wanting to, wanting to quit on, on, on the Lord, quit on the church, quit on your marriage, quit on your family, and give up. Oh, my child won't do right. I'm, gonna, I, I'm just going to let him go. Don't you let anything go. What are you talking about? Quit you like men and be strong. You don't give up on nothing. I don't give up on people that left half the time. I still pray for people all the time. You don't know what God's going to do with their hearts. You don't give up on your children. You pray for them. Amen. But I know men that were so unsettled it was rottenness to their bones. Because they're, and if you do that, it's wicked. They're, that's, that's inappropriate behavior. It's unchristian-like too. Very unchristian-like. We don't, we don't walk away from our responsibilities and the gifts that God has given us. We don't walk away from that. We don't abuse the things that God has given us. Amen. We don't do that. I, I don't believe in doing that. See, but you have people here that have been divorced or remarried. I know. And most of them weren't even saved. They didn't even know. They didn't have the Lord. You don't have that excuse. Unless you're telling me you're lost and you still don't have an excuse, you can get saved. Amen? You, you ask God to save your soul and you'll get saved by the grace of God and you'll want to love people. Amen. That's how it works. There's no excuse. You're under the truth. You have it. We, we, we barrel ahead. We push ahead. We prod ahead. We do what's right. That's just what we do. We don't look back. You can't look back and say, well, look at all these things. Why? Look there, not back. Like Shay said, heaven bound with the hammer down, right? I'm not looking. I'm not going back. I, there's nothing there for me. There's nothing there for you either. You keep looking back there and it distracts you from the present and the future. Then you won't, then you get to, you get to continue to live an excuse of why you're not doing right. You see how that works? It's bad. Those men were so unsettled. 
But that crown, you know what it does? It denotes ruling, but not legislative. Listen to this. Listen to this about the woman. I want you to listen to this quote. I thought it was, it's remarkable, and it's true. I've seen it. The crown denotes ruling, but not legislative. Right? Or not by force or arrangement, but by the power of her love. Man, when a when a man when a when a woman loves her husband and the and the man loves there isn't too much he won't do, biblically speaking, that it moves him. It no, she's not laying down the law. The law of kindness, that's the only law. You know what she rules by? The law of kindness. Amen. Do you see the difference? That's the that's the law that she has, and it works. I'm telling you, lady. It works. It works because God says it works, and I've seen it work. It just, it works. It just, it just, women get way farther with, with their husbands with the law of kindness. It's God's way. God made it so you would. And when you do it, when you, when you use that law of kindness, it's like the man's like, oh, okay, yeah. Yep. Amen. Remember the, the law of kindness, that's how she rules. Not the same as a man being led, or being the head, but leading by love. Her kindness and love rules the day, and when, when it's biblical, it has a far stronger influence than anything that she attempts to dictate. A virtuous woman is really a queen of the world. Beauty, tenderness, love, and purity are the imperial forces of life, and these the woman yields. The crown is a sign of dignity, she dignifies her husband. She brings dignity to him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> her excellence justifies his choices in her character and deportment. All see his wisdom, taste, and judgment in making her his bride. Her management increases his treasure. Her influence exalts his character. Her gentle spirit and manners smooth the roughness of his character. Oh boy, do they. I, I, it's amazing because when, <laughs> when I watch, I watch couples, I couple watch, but not with binoculars. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just kind of watch and I see the, 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 uh, the different personalities of the husbands and the wives and how God, you can see how God brought them together and their distinctions and the way that they are. And it, it, you can see it. You just see it like what, like the, the husband is rough around the edges on things and, and harsh, and then his wife is a little more mellow when it comes to things like that, or vice versa, just different qualities and different strengths. But you watch those things and you see how they complement one another. And you're like, well, that's how, that's how they got married because the way that they were, you can see it, right? You can tell the difference. Because when people look at you, they don't just see you, they see your wife too. They're like, oh yeah, okay. Right? It makes sense when you when you look at a husband and wife and you watch it, you, you see the difference of them together. It's like, oh yeah. Yep. That makes sense. They balance one another out. They complement one another. Amen. That's how it's supposed to be. The Bible does not call her a bracelet or a necklace to her husband, but a crown to him. She's not the ring on his finger. She's not a chain of gold around his neck. She is a crown, his brightest ornament. She draws the eyes of all upon him 
as eminently honored and blessed. Those things would be beneath her if she was the, the necklace or a, a ring or something like that. God calls her a crown. And why is that? Because she makes him feel like a king. She, yeah, exactly. And she makes him look like a king. And she gives him such respect and honor. And she deserves to be compared to that of a royal ornament that circles the head of majesty. She is to her husband a crown enriched with those lovely virtues with more radiant luster than the rarest of diamonds. She is the health to his bones. Just the sight of her encourages his heart and inspires him. It should when you've been working all day and you're out in the world and you come home and you look at your wife, that should be a blessing to you. It just should be like, yeah. Amen. Why? Because that's where much of the joy is wrapped up into. It's like... You compare it to what you see out of the world, and then you come home and you see your wife. The contrast is <laughs> it's just absolutely different. It's what helps him to be able to sustain in a wicked world his, his sanity, right? Okay, somebody's normal. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Amen. She brings joy to him. She is the health to his bones. She brings him health, right? Joy and happiness. Just the sight of her encourages his heart and inspires it. him. It is good to him like medicine. Her cheerful countenance encourages his heart. That's why you're to be cheerful when your husband comes home. So you've had a hard day. Yeah, you have, no doubt. But you're still to be cheerful. Because sometimes uh, they, they, when they get home, they got to unwind from like a thousand different things that are floating around their head, the things that they've had to see that day, the things they've experienced. And so have you, no doubt. But that's the calling that God has given you. And that's what he's equipped you with. Right? It should not be a complaint session. For either of you, really. But a husband needs to vent sometimes. He comes home, he's just like, he want, needs to talk to his wife. Right? And unwind. And she needs to have that, she needs to be that lady that she's supposed to be in order for that to happen. Cheerful. Right? Cheerful and kind. Remember, she has, she's to govern with the law of kindness. So then that means that she has that joy and that kindness. Amen. So he's excited to see her. And to be home and to be away from the, the world and away from the things that, that, that he has. It ought to lighten him up. It ought to encourage him. Just your countenance ought to encourage him when he sees you. It ought not be about every terrible thing that happened at home or, or anything like that. Now, there is a time to talk about things that happen in the home. There is a time to talk about things that, need to be, that, that you need to work on, governing things and dealing with things and organizing things and just the challenges and where uh, he can help you better as a, as a husband, that he can help. But it shouldn't be that, like when he comes home, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be a complaint session. Let me tell you something. Most of your complaints, lady... Are the same complaint? Are the same reasons why uh, the same complaints that, that 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 I would have of myself in the sense of their management complaints? If you're not managing the affairs of things properly, then you're th th then you have a lot of complaints. 
There are things to pray through. There are things to learn. There are things that you have to grow through. That is true and that you, have, that you need your husband's help with. But much of it is managerial. If things are going wrong in the house, if things are not going the way that they need to go, then it's managerial issues. They need to be managed correctly. And there is an answer for it. If there wasn't, then my book, wouldn't, my book right here, the King James Bible, wouldn't be all sufficient to answer everything. So there is. And as a husband, I have to help you with that and, 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 and vice versa. But the point is, is that, guess what? They're managerial issues. Shouldn't be a complaint session about that. Amen. But the rotten wife that is given to her passions and tempers, her extravagant and wasteful spending, the levity of her speech, the scandal of her vices or bad habits, she cannot control. They make him the object of pity and scorn. When he goes out or even to church, if the family and the home are not right and his marriage is not right, he feels as a base hypocrite and a fraud. He is ashamed of his life. His heart is filled with anguish when he is home. The rotten wife is a torment to him. That bone of his bone is destroying him. It's a spiritual cancer to eat like a canker. You are one flesh, and if you are a rotten husband or a rotten wife, you are killing each other. Plain and simple. You're rotting each other to death. One man said it this way, you may have a fever for a week or two and be very sick, but the misery of a rotten wife, this living disease, is that unless Almighty God changes her heart and life and work, and, and, and works an uncommon cure, it will prey upon a man's bones and spirit till the death of one of the married parties is the only relief. You are either a crown to your husband or a living plague that will rot his bones and destroy his life. You have the power to do both, to do either, by God's grace. The bones are the strength of a frame. Upon them the whole is built. There is therefore in the idea of this that carries a rottenness to them, that of the wasting of the vigor of body and mind, the bringing of the man prematurely to his grave, and that too by means which costs him ere this result is effected. The bones are unseen. The poor man is pierced with inward and secret agony, which he cannot disclose. Pines in unseen distress, distress of which the cause is hidden, while the effects are sadly and rapidly visible. By the way, and you got fundamental Baptist churches that are full of them. Full of them, of those types of marriages. Full of them. I'm not picking on any of the other groups because the independent fundamental Baptists are the ones that say they do it right. Yeah, come on. So we'll just start with them. Amen. They are full of marriages like that, where the wife is and the husband are at odds with each other. They're warring with each other. They're fat, there's, there's, there's battles and wars and, and chaos in the home and chaos and no commitment to one another in that sense, no submission to the Lord, no true biblical submission and no true honor to the wife. They don't live their lives like that. The women are running and ruling everything. The men are kowtowing to it and just stay away from the wife because they don't like her anyway, so they just stay away from her. So they work like 90 hours a week so they don't have to see their wife. I, I saw it. I, I had a guy in this church do that. Man, he talked about headship and all that other stuff. Man, he wasn't ever around his wife. He chewed his arm off to get away from her. Man, he slept at his work. 
Yeah. <laughs> that, one, that one didn't work so good, did it? But, but he, he slept there. He didn't, even, he didn't even come home. It's like, I don't want anything that bad that's going to keep me away from my family that long. I don't want any like like materials or things in this world like that that, that keep me away from my family that long. I don't, I don't I don't want anything like that. I mean, when you're young, you're not married, you you got time to work. That's one thing, you know. But when you get married, you have responsibilities to be a husband, to be a father, and to be around, right? To be there, especially in this wicked world, as it waxes worse and worse. Children need their fathers and their mothers. They need them visible and they need them involved in their lives. Desperately. Amen. That woman brings rottenness to his bones. See, the woman that brings rottenness to her husband's bones is the woman that seeks the admiration of others instead of being satisfied with her husband's praise. Wants to do something out in the world so people see her, so they praise her because she wants the praise of men instead of the praise of her own husband. The praise of her own husband is not enough. Do you understand? It's a terrible concept. It's terribly wrong. You ought not seek the praise of other men outside of your husband. You ought not seek the praise or your father in that sense. But you ought not seek the praise of men. I don't mean that people can't say they're blessed by something you do. I'm not talking about that. But it's to seek and to go out after that. To feel completed like that, to have that. No, you should have that from your husband. You have that admiration from, from your husband in that sense. You know, it's not wrong for us to, you know, encourage one another and praise one another in that sense, but it shouldn't be something it's sought after. She wants to be seen in the gates. Her husband is to be known in the gates of the city, as our text verse says, but she wants to draw attention to herself. This woman mars his usefulness undermines his happiness, drives him into temptation and the snare of the devil. One man said it this way, let a young woman in contemplating this holy union ponder well, and in deep prayer its weighty responsibility. Do you desire to be a crown to your husband or one that makes him ashamed? Will she be what God made her a help me to be to her husband or what Satan led her to be a tempter to her husband? To tempt him. If she be not a crown to him, she will be ashamed to herself. For what is a woman's happiness but to be a help to her husband's joy? Remember, the wife's moral force and power is what is a crown. Do you compliment your husband? A crown is an ornament that compliments. It certainly does not make him a it certainly does make him a king. A king is already a king, right? The crown doesn't make him a king, though. He's already a king. Amen? In that sense, he's already a king. God has made us priests and kings. Amen? That's what he made us. But what does the crown do? It compliments. Right? A king is already a king, but you are there to compliment your husband and to make him look better than he would without you. God did not make that man to be alone. Men don't do well alone. They have a very difficult time being alone. Women may handle that a lot better because God made woman for the man. But you're to be a compliment to him and aid him and help him in all that he does. 
Is that truly your desire to make your husband better? To be, to be, to compliment him? It really does come down to that. If God made me for a purpose, do I desire to fulfill the purpose God made me for? Ask yourself that question. Whether you be husband or whether you be wife, ask yourself that question. Do I want to fulfill the purpose God made me for? Or do I want to rebel against that purpose and think that there's a better way? There's something better out there. There's something better that I can have. That it's not good enough what God made me for. Because if that's the case, then your heart is not right. Your heart is wrong. And you must repent and get your heart right. Because Satan's temptations will come and the right thing will be dangled in front of your face and you will take it. Do you understand that? Be you husband or be you wife, be you daughter or be you son. If, if the right thing is dangled in front of your face and your heart is not submitted to God and his purpose for you, you will fall. It will happen. It will happen. Amen. Because it will be dangled and your heart is not right. It is only when you are submitted to God that you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. It's double-mindedness. Be what God made you to be and do not think it is demeaning at all because it isn't. You are called a crown for a purpose and you ought to relish in that. You ought to thank God for that. And you ought to desire to be that. You ought not desire to be anything else than what God wants you to be. You ought not desire to be anything else. You ought not think that you can improve on God's ways. It is the height of arrogance. It is idolatry to believe that you can, that you can improve on God's ways. It is absolute sin and betrayal to believe that you can make God's way better by doing your own thing. That's what human philosophy is. And it spoils. What does that mean to spoil something? Well, it's that the entire thing isn't bad. Something is entered in to spoil it, to make it that way. Well, that's what happens. If we, end, if we allow something else to enter in, it will spoil the remainder of it, right? It spoils it. And that's what men's philosophies do. When they're added to God's good things, it spoils. Makes them rot. Philippians 4.1, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and my crown. What did Paul call his, his people, his, the, 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 the children that he led to the Lord, the people that he led to the Lord, his church, his, his church family, and those that he discipled? He said they were his joy and they were his crown. Amen. That's what sometimes, you may not understand that a pastor, when I, when I look at you and how I look at you and why I care about how you live and why I care about how your marriage turns out and why I care about how your children turn out and why I care, because it's my life's work. It's my joy, it's my crown. Or it can be rottenness to my bones. <laughs> but it is, it, is, it is my joy and my crown, it's my work. That's why I don't give up on people. They usually give up on me. <laughs> but I try not to give up on them. If they come back and they repent, we'll talk. Amen. We're here, right? We're not going anywhere, Lord willing. I can tell you by my own personal myself that my wife is my dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and my crown. And that's how you should see your wife. 
And you should desire to be that lady. The dearly beloved and longed for. When you're away, it ought to be that you long for her. Man, I was with a man one time. <laughs> Little son of Satan. But anyway, I was... <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was <laughs> Sorry, Prince of Darkness. But I, I was with him one time. I remember, I, remember, I remember his wife being on the phone with him. And I remember literally her asking him, you know, do you miss me at all? Because she had no clue whether he actually even, like, cared. I'm not saying you gotta, you know, you're going to cry and you're going to do all. I'm, I'm not talking about that, right? And this is a younger married couple. This isn't somebody who's been married for a really long time or anything. But, but, and I, I remember that. And I thought, in all the years I've been married, I don't think my wife's ever asked me if I missed her, if I was away or if I was gone like that. Like, they automatically know that, well, if you have a job, you got to do it and all that. Kind of, but they also know we love them, right? Like, we care. You're, like, that, this is, this is the example that Paul is giving here that there is joy in his crown. Your wife ought to be the same to you. And lady, you ought to be that. That's the way God designed it. Your wife should be your dearly beloved and longed for. You should long for their company. You should enjoy the time you have together. That, that should be wherever you are and whatever you're doing, whether it's working on a wood pile, right? Whether it's, whether it's working in the field, right? Or whether it's, uh, what, it doesn't matter what it's doing, right? That, that, that doesn't matter. You should want to be together, though, when it's, a, you know, when you can and you don't have to work it all inside, get it. But, but, I mean, you should want to, right? You should want to, you should want to be around them. You shouldn't be like, man, I can't stay. I got to, you shouldn't want to chew your arm off to get away or anything. It shouldn't be that easy to get you to want to leave or anything like that, right? It's like we always say when it's freezing cold out there, we go out preaching or when it's, or, or even not when it's cold. Even we have to go to Minneapolis or someplace or, or Northfield to preach to a bunch of like uh, cannibals. And, uh, but to, <laughs> we're out there, we're like, they're like, you just come up here to cause trouble. Yeah, I don't have nothing better to do than come up here and to have you people smack us around, throw stuff at us, spit on us, throw, you know, Stick, uh, stick scooters in our faces, right? All this other stuff. We wouldn't rather be home right now. Like, yeah, they throw a rock. Thou shall not judge. Almost, they tried to stone Paul. He almost lived up to his name. Whew, that was a close one, man. There was like three or four rocks. It was. They were big too. Bing, bing. I'm like, oh, what was that? But we'd, I mean, we would rather be home, honestly, but we want to do the will of God, amen? We want them to be saved, but it's just the truth. So a husband should have that joy when he sees his wife and children. They ought to be his joy and his crown, right? A wife should bring much joy to a man's heart and life. He should light him up when, when he sees that. Proverbs 21, 19 warns us. In verse 9, it says, It is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a white house. Yeah. Yeah. Proverbs 21, 19, It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. I don't want to dwell with a contentious and angry woman. 
I think it was, I don't remember which one of the reformers it was. I can't remember. One of them had a wife. Jacob, do you remember that, that like grabbed him by the hair and like, that was John, John Wesley. <laughs> John Wesley could tell us how to sing, but he, <laughs> his wife, he's like, come here, John. She tracked him down. What's that? So I don't know how that man lived to be 90 with a woman like 85 with a woman like that. She grabbed him by the hair. She grabbed him by the hair and just like pulled, pulled it down. I read that and I was like, whoa. And then Whitfield, he was never around his wife. His wife, he married her, left her at the house and never came back. I'm like, that is terrible. I mean... Hey, God uses flawed men. He uses us. I know. It's just, it's just amazing to see. I, I just, crazy stuff, right? But anyway, it says, It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. So don't be a contentious and an angry woman. Proverbs 27, 15, A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. See, which woman are you, lady? Which do you desire to be? A virtuous woman that is a crown to her husband? Or the contentious woman. You have to decide. You have to surrender to what God has given you and where God has put you. And if you're not married yet, you need to surrender to that now and believe that God's way is the right way and it's the best way. And by surrendering to that now, you'll be ready to be the lady that God wants you to be. But if you're not ready to surrender to that, then you shouldn't even think about marriage. You shouldn't think about any of those things. Why? Because you don't want to do what God wants you to do. So that should be the furthest thing from your mind until you have a desire. Why? Because you'll make a bad mess of it. Amen. If your heart is not right, you'll make a bad mess of it. It'll be horrible. But the good news is if you're wrong, you can get right. Amen. You can, you can learn to be the, the woman, the virtuous woman that God wants you to be. Amen. You can learn to do that. And, and as husbands, we can learn to be the men that God wants us to be. That's the blessing of, of, of having the Holy Spirit and being saved by the grace of God, that we can learn. And we can ask God to, you know, if, if our wanter is wrong, we can ask God to change it and help us to submit to Him and be the person that God wants us to be in all those avenues and to continue to grow and mature. Right? That's what God wants, is that spiritual maturity. That's what... That's what all of us have to come to, that place of... That's, that's true Christian perfection, by the way. It's not sinless. It's maturity. It's being mature. That's what Christian perfection is. Not what, like the Wesleyites and the others taught. It's actually maturity. Because 1 John talks about that. It says, perfect love casteth out fear. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. That doesn't mean he's lost. Because it says fear hath torment. What does it mean? It means that you're not mature. You haven't grown. You haven't matured to a point to where though the ship is rocking and everything is going, you are, you are mature in your faith and you continue to go on and you're not moved. That's why Paul said that he learned that whatsoever state he was in, therewith to be content. He knew how, both how to abase and how to abound. Why? He learned it, he said. Right? He learned it. He matured to that point that God brought him to. And perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. 
So you're to mature in love. You're to grow in love. When you grow to love, what, what does that mean? It means you obey God. The, the more you love God, the more you obey God. And you follow him. And guess what happens? Peace comes from that. Peace comes from obedience. That's the perfect love. See? That's what casteth out fear. Amen. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the preaching of your word. Thank you for all that you have for us. Lord, help our wives to be the crown that you have made them to be. Help these young ladies to learn to be that as they grow and mature. Lord, help us to be the husbands that we're to be. Lord, help us all to love one another. And more importantly, to love you first. Because you first loved us. And Lord, help us to show that same love to others. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Forgive us our sins, Lord. There are so many. Our faults. Lord, help us to lay aside these weights and the sins that so easily beset us. And help us to run this race with patience looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.